Mark chapter 14 and verse number 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But ye, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whithersoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she have done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be together. Oh, I believe the music, the testimonies, all things thus far have prepared our hearts for the message. And Lord, help us not to get distracted. Lord, help us to focus upon Your Word. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen. A Christian uh, businessman was traveling in Korea, and uh, he was walking by a field, and he saw a young man who was pulling a, a rude plow. And behind him, holding the plow in place, was an older gentleman. And uh, the businessman thought that was a little bit unusual, so he took a picture of that and he uh, looked to uh, the missionary who was with him, kind of being his guide and interpreter for his trip. He looked to the interpreter and said, these people are really poor. And uh, he's the, the missionary replied, these two men happen to be Christians. And when their church was being built, they were eager to give something toward it. But they had no money. So they decided to sell the, their one and only ox. And give the proceeds to the church. This is the first spring since they did that. And now they're out plowing themselves. The businessman was kind of silent for a few moments and said, that's a real sacrifice. And the missionary said, that's not what they called it. He said, what they said was it, they were fortunate to have an ox to sell to give. When the businessman returned home, he showed the pastor of his church that it's what he saw, that young man pulling that plow and the older man behind and told him the story. And he said, you know, you know what, pastor, I'm ready to do some plow work. He said, I need to get it. He said, I've never really sacrificed anything for God. The text this morning is all about sacrifice. It's, that's, it's, that's what it's all about. It's leading into the greatest sacrifice of all time, Jesus Christ coming and dying for us. But this, we see sacrifice on an individual's life as well. And, and it doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter if you're 12, you're 18, 28, 34, 
And up it goes. You know the age. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter economic status. You, you might have a really good paying job. You might have a middle income job or you might be just scraping through. doesn't matter your ethnic background. doesn't matter if you're from Newfoundland like myself or you're from B.C. like somebody else here or whatever and, or from around the world. doesn't matter your ethnic background. Or your position in life. You, you know, uh, I was thinking about this this week. I was putting the, the message together, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was the assistant pastor here. So I would go to the boss to ask for a day off. You know, sometimes someone asks me, so what do you think about this? And sometimes even catch myself saying, well, I've got to check with the boss. Oh, that's me. Uh, yeah, let's do it. You know, so ambitions in life, we're all different places. But it doesn't matter. We are all asked to give ourselves to Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about salvation this morning. I'm talking about that we willingly give of ourselves. And again, it's not a, uh, an extra salvation. There's nothing of that sort here. This is serving Him in a sacrificial way. That's what we're talking about. That's, this is what this portion of Scripture is talking about. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. You know, this... Coming Friday, the world calls it Good Friday. Okay, They celebrate or remember that that's the day that Jesus died. Now, the reality is there's no way that Christ died on Friday and rose again on Sunday. That's not three days. Not even in Newfoundland is that three days. Okay, There's no way. It just doesn't happen. You know, And the reality is, and I'm going to be totally honest with you, the reason why we're having it this year is because I think we can reach more people, and that's the mission, is to reach more people. Tell them about Jesus. And if there's a day that they're interested in coming to church, why would I close the doors? You know, I'm just being totally honest. That's, that's my fault. We're not going to uh, go against the Word of God to reach people. You know, we're going to do what's right according to the Word of God, be biblical. But this is a morning uh, opportunity that Friday people will come. So we're going to tell them about Jesus Christ. We're going to tell them that He came. And I hope you'll be praying about it. And the reality is this scripture that we're looking at this morning is leading into uh, Christ coming and dying for us. And in verse number one, the, the elite of Jerusalem, in verse number one, they're planning to remove Jesus once and for all. Kind of kind of uh, maybe uh, think in your mind of uh, a gathering of the elite all right, of Jerusalem. And they're there and uh, for the feast. It's coming up. And, and the chief uh, priests and the scribes, they, they're together. They're talking. And it's malicious. Okay, it, It's not kind. It's not encouraging. The word craft here is deceitful or trickery. I'm sure every one of us has encountered someone like that, right? Who've been deceitful. They tricked us. Never a pleasant experience. You know, it's very hurtful. Oh, the, they, they consider themselves, these individuals consider themselves the political and religious leaders of that day. But they're a bunch of cowards. They are a bunch of cowards. You know, you know why they were planning this? Because they were afraid of the people. We can't do it now. We can't seize Jesus now because we feared an uproar. We, we don't want to, in case of an uproar, we won't take Jesus right now. And we won't kill him. We'll just seize him. That, that's the idea. They're trying to find a way to, to get him and put him to death. They were plotting his death. Now, Jesus is just days away from going to the cross and bearing and being that sacrifice. And as he goes, a woman expresses the depths of her love and devotion to him by a costly sacrifice. Her labor of love... Uh, 
was misunderstood by those there that day, but God, but the Lord commends her and, and refutes the critic. He tells them around her that she had done this for a purpose. She did this as a sacrifice and it will be remembered. And I'm reversed, uh, rehearsing it here for you. I am part of that last verse I read that it will be declared to all those who hear the gospel. So I'm acting as part of that prophecy that Lord Jesus gave. They're in the town of Bethany. This is what it says in verse number 3. So this is east of the city of Jerusalem, around the Mount of Olives. There Jesus and his disciples, along with some other folks in the house, are in the house of Simon the leper. We don't know anything about Simon except that he was a leper. Now, I don't believe he was leprous at this moment. I believe he was healed. I believe he was healed by Jesus Christ during his ministry. And the only other thing we know about Simon is he had a house. That's it. We don't know anything else about Simon. I think it's safe to assume uh, that, uh, like I said earlier, he was healed by Jesus. And now I'm sure he is thrilled that Jesus is in his home. Has someone done something really great for you and you get to invite them to your house? Aren't you thrilled that they're at your house? You know, they're just so excited. Um, you're honored that they would come, you know, and maybe they helped you in a financial bind or, or maybe they came and rescued you from uh, your car having a flat tire and you're, you're trying to repay that, grat- that, that debt that you have. Simon was healed. I mean, Simon had a huge, I mean, I'm sure if he's anything like us, he was just so thrilled to have Jesus there, someone who helped him so much. Now, Mark does not identify the woman who did this, uh, but other portion of Scripture I do believe is Mary the sister of Lazarus. So the area of sacrifice, first of all, we see the area of sacrifice. And and verse number three, so he's at Simon's house and they're at meat. I I would like to be at Simon's house at meat too. That means we're eating. That's what they were doing there. And the eating together, they were, it was a time together. Now the supper meal, the meals there were different than here. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's been times when you ran into the house and sat down and my mom would say we inhaled it as boys. You know, it was like... <coughs> and out the door you went. You know, it's just like a vacuum. The Hoover got nothing on me, I'm telling you right now. Okay, so just uh, inhaling everything. I mean, I've watched uh, some family members. I'm like, I can't believe you could consume it that fast. But at any rate, it's totally different in this time period. All right. It was slow, no mad rush. Just take your time. Okay. So that was what's happening here. Just, I'm just trying to kind of set the scene for you so you understand what's taking place and how this all puts together. She broke a box of ointment and poured it on the head of Jesus. This ointment was valued at 300 pence. A pence was a day's wage for the average worker in that time period. So this represented over a year's worth of wages. So let us put it in the context of today. So I, this week I went to a great resource tool. I went to Google. You're supposed to laugh, okay? It's not a great resource tool all the time. It does help on occasion. But anyway, I went to Google. What's the average yearly wage for Mississauga, Google? Google came back was over fifty thousand dollars. This is I'm not talking about a family. This is a, I didn't put any of our parameters, but yearly wage fifty thousand. All right. So the reality is the ointment here was no dollar store purchase, right? 
This was expensive. This spikenard uh, was produced, from what I'm told, uh, from a rare plant that grew in India. It was very expensive, and people saved for years to be able to buy it, and they bought it for their funeral. That's what it was for. And this is what's poured on the head of Jesus. Now, there's numerous uh, ancient customs that go along with something like this. So uh, the breaking of the alabaster box. So uh, one of those customs at that time was that if someone uh, came into your home that was a distinguished individual, you would often take the glass that they used and you would break it to prevent a lesser person from using it in the future. That was a tradition that they had. So maybe in Mary's mind, she broke it because there's no one greater than Jesus. It could have been. Okay, I'm just letting you know about a custom that was going on. And another one was that uh, that after uh, the box of the, the deceased uh, had been washed or anointed that, uh, of the uh, anointment, uh, the box would be broken and placed with that individual in their tomb. Now, we don't have any record that happened with Jesus. Again, it was just a custom that happened there. Whatever was on Mary's mind, she was trying to get every ounce of that ointment and extract it and put it on Jesus' head to anoint Him. Alright? Regardless of the reason, one thing is clear. Mary was given all she had to Jesus. Take away the customs. Take away anything else you might think. At the, that, that was the reason she was giving all the glory to Jesus. So the question for us this morning is, have we broken the alabaster box of our life and poured ourselves out totally for Jesus? Have we? That's a question for you. And that is something that has preoccupied many minds of individuals and Christians. The thought preoccupied the mind of Paul as he faced his own death. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am ready to be offered, uh, and at the time of my departure is at hand. He had poured himself into the ministry. He had poured himself out for Jesus. You know, Christian, we need to sit back and analyze. We live in a very fast-paced society. And I often believe it is part of Satan's ploy to get us so busy we don't think about spiritual things. To keep us so busy, hopping, hopping, hopping. Let's go. We gotta go. We gotta go. You know, and not even stop and think and ponder and look into our hearts and say, Lord, am I giving it all to you? Am I giving my life to you? Again, this is not a talk of salvation right now. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about as Christians, we can get away from the Lord, folks. Absolutely we can. We can get to a place where we're withdrawn and we're not having that intense fellowship with the Lord. And Mary's sacrifice, man, it was an expression of love. She put it all out there. And let me encourage you today, this morning, this afternoon, the days ahead, to think about it in your own life. Have I given him everything? Have I given him everything? Verse number eight, um, we see, and she have done what she could. She's come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Uh, in the area of service, Jesus' statement regarding the sacrifice of Mary summed up the depth of her service to Jesus. She have done what she could. She could do no more. Well, there, there's many things that she couldn't do for Jesus, but this thing is what she could do, and she used it, and she served Him. Oh, it's wonderful to see someone serve Jesus and go all in. It's a blessing. But you know what I found out in life? When that happens, guess who shows up? Critics. 
critics start wagging their tongues when you go all in. And this happened here. This happened here uh, in uh, uh, verse number 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why is this waste of ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. The reality is, whenever you choose to serve Jesus, you can write it down that there will be people who will criticize you. You can write it down. According to John, in John's uh, record of this account, it was Judas who was the ringleader. He was the ringleader. And he was upset. He did hold the bag of money. He was the treasurer of the group. And he was upset. In his mind, he should be taking care of this tidy sum. He should be holding on to it. And listen, it was never about the poor for Judas. No, it was never about... He didn't love Jesus. He didn't care. It was about having the money in his hand, having the money in his purse. And the word murmur gives the idea of snorting with anger and stern challenge. Now, when I have, when someone tells me a really good joke, I find something really funny, I snort when I laugh, okay? I'm okay with it. I'm not sad. I, I remember one time I started snorting when someone told me a joke, and they're like, you're snorting. I'm like, who cares? It's funny. You know? So this is not a snort of, you know, it's funny. It's like, what? What? What is your problem? Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that kind of experience when someone, what are you doing? You're going to serve the Lord? You're, you, you're going to do that? Well, whatever. That kind of idea. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of things. And you know, I'm so glad. I'm going to kind of talk about this for a moment here. I'm going to park here for a few minutes. I'm so glad uh, that we have individuals in our church who are looking uh, for the Lord to use them any way they, the Lord can use them. Amen? Uh, and I, I understand that not everybody is going to be called the full-time Christian service. Totally understand that. But we all should be willing to go if God would have us go. We need to be surrendered. All right? So I'm so glad for uh, individuals in our church uh, who are uh, in finishing up university, college. In the next uh, month, we have a number of folks in our in our church membership and attend our church who are going to graduate. Praise the Lord. Amen. They finished the course. Amen. Great job. Do it. All right. Uh, so I'm not I'm not saying that uh, I want you to get that parameter because I'm going to hit this a little hard. So I'm getting you prepped up. OK. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us just being willing as individuals to do whatever the Lord would have us to do. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, so you're religious, are you? Gonna serve the Lord, are you? You're never gonna make any money at that. You know that, right? That's just a small sampling of what I've heard. To those who have said, I'm surrendering to whatever the Lord would have. And you know, you know what I've heard the most from that? Is Christians saying that to another Christian? I'm going to be honest with you. I had more of my Roman Catholic family who are not saved, who would not say they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I had more of them excited about me going into the ministry than Christians that I grew up with. That's sad. That's not right. And I'm going to be honest, that kind of chatter really gets my blood pressure up. 
All right? It really gets me angry because it's totally inappropriate for us to say that. Serving the Lord is the most important thing you can do with your life. And I, I mean, I'm glad that, uh, hey, uh, uh, Dale Tao is going to graduate from the Royal Military College. I mean, Dale went to Europe. That poor guy knows me better than he probably ever wants to know. He heard so much snoring that he probably still have nightmares about it, okay? My nightmares about joining the Marines, his is about sleeping in the same room with me, all right? And I'm so excited that he's graduating and he's going into the military and he's going to be a great officer in the Canadian Armed Forces. I'm so excited about that. And I'm so excited that uh, during his time there, he's texted me and said, Hey, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm trying to witness somebody. I'm so excited that he's texted me and said, Hey, Pastor, we just are having Bible study. He, me with some other cadets and, and I need to have a question answered. Hey, guess what? He's serving our country, but he's serving Jesus first. That's what we all need to do. That's what we all need to do, no matter where you're at. How could it be better than serving the Creator? I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, I understand. Not every one of us is called a full-time Christian service, but every one of us is called a minister. Every one of you is called a minister for Jesus Christ. Not necessarily in a full-time capacity, I understand, but we're all to serve. You're, you're never going to make any money. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Well, the reality is ministry is not a money game. Actually, it's not a game, period. The ministry is about serving other people. There's no game there. It's about serving others. It's not about building the kingdom. It's about serving Jesus. It's about walking into that room, the hospital room, to pray with that family whose dad's stepping into eternity. It's about that late night phone call that says, Pastor, I need help. It's about that knock at the door and says, Pastor, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? It's about walking into the life of a hurting family when everybody else has walked out and you walking in and you're bringing Jesus, you're bringing hope. That's the ministry. Hey, you get a phone call in the middle of the night. It doesn't have to be, hey, Pastor. It could be your name. Hey, I need some help. And you can help them. Every one of us as individual believers can help another person. You have the Word of God. This, the Word of God. It changes lives. It changed yours. Why can't it change somebody else's? Absolutely can. It'll transform them. Jesus will transform their lives. In high school, there was a guy I went to school with. He told me I was crazy for getting into the ministry. I have to agree with him on crazy on occasion. That part I didn't disagree with. Mark, you won't have anything, he told me. I still remember this conversation just like it was yesterday. And this is... Uh, Back in 1994, he told me this. You won't have anything. You won't have much fun. Boy, was he dead wrong. You can tell that I've been well taken care of. All right? I'm not a zipper. I don't turn sideways and I disappear or anything. All right? You can tell. And, and the Lord has provided me a wonderful home in Brampton. Wonderful home. He's provided... Now, again, he, this individual, I'm refuting the physical side of it. There's so many spiritual blessings. I have a wonderful family. But he's talking about things, okay? He's provided vehicles for our family. All my needs are met and lots of my wants, too. Lots of them. I tend to have a lot of fun just about anywhere I go, to be quite honest with you. 
You know, especially after that nightmare I had last night, I'm not in the Marines. I'm really excited about today. All right? I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. I mean, we have a wonderful joy in the Lord. And let me highly encourage you to surrender to whatever the Lord would have. And woe. And woe to you as a Christian if you would discourage someone for surrendering to the Lord. Woe to you. Don't do that. When the opportunity presented itself on this day in the book of Mark, Mary took advantage and experienced uh, in a lifetime blessing. The, 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 what's here for us is we see that when the, she was moved by the Lord to do this, she listened, she stepped out, though it might have been a little bit uncomfortable, though it might not have been something she ever seen done before, but she stepped out. She did not ignore the impulse of the Holy Spirit to do that, and neither should we ignore the impulse of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Word of God tells 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Spirit. Oh my, how many times have I missed, ignored, or dismissed the impulses of the Spirit of God and missed opportunities to minister for Jesus Christ? I remember this one time. I was hungry. And I'm not very good when I'm hungry. Like, I don't think about anything but myself when I'm hungry. All right. Went into this Wendy's. I could bring you to the Wendy's. I could show you where I sat down. And I was getting a little fired up. The kids weren't behaving like I wanted them to behave. And, uh, you know, come on, get in line, smarten up, smarten up. I want a burger. I want three. I'm hungry. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. That's the, that was my mindset. And, uh, I'm in line. I'm getting my food. You know, and so I'm get I get to the table and I mean, talk about that inhaling Hoover thing. I mean, that's what I was doing. And over to my right, there was a young fella, maybe 15, 16. And he wasn't having a good day. I don't even know the problem because I was so busy rethinking about myself, I never asked a question. Shame on me. Shame on me. Oh, he was upset. There was someone there trying to help him out. There's no doubt. That kind of helped sway my conscience a little bit. Like, oh, he's fine. He's... Hey, I don't know. Maybe at that moment if I would have given him a track or talked to him, there could be something different. And my nothing ever happened, but I did not obey. I didn't. I've asked the Lord to forgive me for that. I know the Lord forgives me because the Word of God tells me that. But boy, I think we all dropped the ball. And we need to be careful. Until we reach the place where we, He speaks and we immediately respond, we'll never be doing all we can for Him. Oh, we can be doing something, and we need to be, but we're talking about all, right? We're talking about all. What the Lord is seeking is for those who would surrender everything they have and everything they are and everything they hope to be for the will of God. He's looking for those who will assume the place of servants. And then He'll look on us and say, you've done all that you could. I think that's pretty high praise from the Creator of this world, don't you think? You've done all you could. And I'm pleased. The area of surrender here as well. In Christ's day, you know, I talked about the, the meeting and eating there uh, at the house. So, so they were at meat there in verse number three. So they didn't sit at tables like we do today. 
You know, they didn't have a big, long table and benches and stuff. Not, not like what we think. The table would have been very low to the ground. And people reclined along around the table at mealtime. Okay, so it's not like chairs that we think of today. Typically, their heads were near the table and their feet were far away. I like that idea, feet far away from food. All right. So, they're, you know, so the idea is that they're close, you know, food close to their mouth. You know, kind of get the picture, low, that's where they're at. This would mean that anyone walking to a person uh, in such a position would be much taller, right? I'm not very tall, but if someone was you know, reclined like that, I would be super tall to them. So this is, you know, Mary had to kneel down and pour this out. Again, showing a statement of surrender. Whatever you'd have, Lord, I'm going to anoint you. He made a great statement of surrender, kneeling there and doing that. She was telling everyone else there that she did this because she believed in Jesus. She surrendered all to Him. Her act of love and worship made a big statement. There was only four classes of people who were anointed in those days. Kings, 2 Kings 9.3. Priests, Exodus 29.7. Prophets, 1 Kings 19. And the dead, John 19, Luke 23, Mark 16. I believe by this act, she was acknowledging Jesus, that she was all, He was all those things in her life. He was the king. She, he was the priest. She, he was the prophet. And that He was going to die for her. Jesus is certainly all those things. He's the King of Kings, Revelation 19.16. And He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the great high priest, Hebrews 3.1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostles, the high priests of our confession, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. He was dead, but now is alive forevermore. I am that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. He is alive. Amen. My, our Savior is not in the tomb. It's empty. He lives. He lives. And that's what Mary believed about Jesus. And by doing this, this demonstration, she was surrendering to that fact. How about you, Christian? Are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? And again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about you're making sure you're serving Jesus. Because we live in a world that's so fast-paced, that so can easily distract us. We need to sit back and say, hey, am I serving Jesus like I should? Am I surrendered to Him like I should? Does your life demonstrate to others that you're in submission, you're kneeling before Him, that He is absolutely your Lord, He is your King? Or are there some pieces of life that you don't want to give up? You want to hold on to them. I think everyone's good at holding on to things at some times. I can think of times in, in, in the past, you know, when my kid's growing up and... You know, when, when you're a dad of little people, you know, other people have little people think that you're a really good babysitter too. Makes sense, right? You haven't done anything bad to that little one. You probably won't do anything bad to my little one. So here, watch them while I go do something. So often during that time, you know, I'd have babies in my arms or I was watching babies and uh, they would get something in their hands. I mean, they're so cute. I mean, they're so precious. You know, kiss them on the face. Oh, you're so cute. Give me, give me that back. I'm telling you, those five little fingers, 
instantly become vice grips of unknown strength. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're so precious, so nice, but then they become vice grips and you're like, ah, take it from me, buddy. I'm like, whoa, what happened here? You know, and maybe they got scissors in their hands, or maybe they got something else, some food they shouldn't have, or whatever the case is. You know, and so I'm trying to pry their fingers open, and, and you know, two seconds later, before they were smiling at me, good God, and now they had the face of wrath. And it's almost like I will remember this and come and haunt you when you're old. You know, and they're just screaming like I'm ripping off their arms. You know, and or hurting them some way besides moving four fingers back and a thumb. Oh, a couple times it's happened to me, and uh, the moms come running. What are you doing to my baby? I'm like, they got something bad they shouldn't have. Oh, okay. Aren't we like that sometimes? I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this. I'm not giving this up. I won't let it go. God wants us to surrender all. He wants to surrender all. You know, it's not a North American disease to be a, a aversion to serving others, you know. It's throughout every culture. Who does? Everyone wants to be served, right? I mean, let's be honest. We like to be served. And when we go to a restaurant and we get good service, we're like, oh, that was a very good restaurant. I've got to be honest. The food is more important to me than the service. That's just me. But I've been with some people where the service has got to be the best. You know, and I'll be honest. I like to be served, too. I'm no different than anybody else. I've been with some people who are real service snobs. They're like, oh, it wasn't very good here. Get over it. That steak was amazing. You know, whatever the case was. But the reality is we all like to be served. We all like a servant. But we don't want it to be us. Serve me. I will give you praise. I will tell good things about you, but serve me. Hey, we need to be serving Jesus. And if we're serving Jesus, we'll be serving others. Hey, read the gospel. See what Jesus did. He served others. He's our example. Christian, we look to him. We serve him. We'll serve others. She had done what she could. I mean, I hope and pray that the Lord will be able to say, to, say that to me. Have you ever wondered if he'll be able to say the same thing about your life? Now, the reality is, you can't uh, serve Jesus if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Okay? That's the most important decision. And that's what we're looking at. Christmas, we celebrate His coming. Easter is to celebrate of His death, burial, and resurrection. He provided salvation. That's what we're looking at. And you need to, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you can serve Him. You may say, well, I'm doing good works. I'm, I'm glad you're a good citizen. Thank you. But you need Jesus. That's what you need. It's not until you accept Christ as Savior that you can serve Him. And when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, He will transform your life. You'll be changed forever. Salvation is for all. Mary, so many years ago, had done what she could. Christian, have you done what you can? Yes, you accept the Christ as Savior. Yes, you have a relationship with the Savior. But let's make sure that every corner of our heart, every piece of our heart, every piece of our life is in the hands of Jesus. Yes, I'm a nurse. Yes, I'm a construction worker. Yes, I do this. Yes, I'm a secretary. But first of all, I minister for Jesus. 
That's what it's about. Hey, have you surrendered in the area of sacrifice, in the area of service, in the area of surrender? Only you can answer.